Okay, reading this morning from John chapter 14, verses 15 to 31. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me any more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you'll realise that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm, I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Well, uh, g'day everyone. Uh, My name is Scott. I'm glad to be here with you today. Have you ever worried that you're missing out in life. That's the basic idea of this movie, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Uh, Ben Stiller plays Walter. He's a virtually anonymous, kind of sad, middle-aged man in a boring office job that he's worked all his life. But he dreams of of better things all the time. He's daydreaming about what he could do, and yet he, he never has the courage to do anything about it. And so he keeps missing out. Things pass him by. Until one day, he's forced into an adventure that he'd rather not take in order to keep the job he'd rather not lose. (coughs) Pardon me. So, of course, you can imagine by the end of the movie, uh, he goes through a big character change and uh, he gets the girl he's always wanted. He gets the recognition he's always craved and it all ends up nice and hunky-dory. Um, But as viewers, we sit there and and we watch the movie and we're forced to think, but what about me? What about the dreams that I had for my life? What about the things that I'm missing out on? When will I ever get my chance to do them? It's the idea of FOMO. You know what FOMO is? People know what FOMO is? FOMO, the the fear of missing out, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. 
FOMO is a basic tool of advertising. If, if you've got a product and you want to market it, uh, you need to convince me that my life is better off with your product. In fact, not just better off, I need to have your product because if I don't have your product, I'm going to be missing out. FOMO can come in all shapes and sizes. The fear of missing out on an experience or, or a relationship or an opportunity or a career. or I wonder what it is for you. What are you afraid of, of missing out in your life? For the 11 disciples who were there with Jesus in that Bible passage we just read, they're experiencing FOMO too. Jesus had just told them, I'm leaving. Soon, guys, I'm not going to be here anymore. And, and you can tell they've started to, to panic a little bit. You can imagine the kind of questions that they're asking themselves. Why does he have to go? Does it really have to happen now? And why can't we go as well? They're worried that Jesus is leaving because they think they're going to miss out then. The last three years of their lives have been devoted to this guy. Everything they've done has revolved around him, right down to the details of where they sleep each night. But today, for them and for us, Jesus has great words of comfort. Words that are meant to quell their fears. It's a big thing Jesus tells them. Uh, Here's my attempt at summing it up. uh, That Jesus is saying, The Spirit unites us to Jesus and so brings us into the Godhead. I mean, that's really a mouthful, isn't it? (laughs) It takes you a couple of moments to get your head around that sentence, but... uh, which means it's not a very good summing up thing, is it? But, but actually, it's, it's really truly amazing. Today we're going to cover some uh, deep ground. In a couple of places, it's going to be a bit hard work, and I want to ask you, stick, stick with me if you can, because the riches of this passage are so deep. The treasures here are worth it. Now we pick it up in verse 15, where Jesus makes a grand promise. There it is on the screen. Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You see, the disciples had already had one advocate, uh, Jesus. He'd been with them. He'd been their helper. Uh, and now he's going. And because he's going, God the Father is going to send them another helper. That is the Holy Spirit. That's the promise Jesus makes. And he goes on in verse 17. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus is saying, this this is nothing new for you, disciples. You already know the Spirit. He's lived with you. Because as they've been around Jesus for the last three years, they've seen the Spirit at work, empowering Jesus working through Jesus constantly. But there's going to be a change soon. Just as the Spirit has lived in Jesus, soon the Spirit is going to live in them too. It's a huge promise, this is, isn't it? Jesus goes on in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, Jesus knows he's not far off dying here. 
But he's looking beyond his death. He's looking to the resurrection when he'll live again. And he says that his disciples will see him again. And right now they don't understand everything. Right now they don't understand everything. But Jesus is looking forward to the day when they will understand. When the Spirit comes to live in them. That's the day where they'll get it. And on that day, look at what Jesus says. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. What's the, what's the opposite of FOMO? I, I, I'm not quite sure there is a thing. Um, but whatever it is, I know I've experienced it. Uh, I was in primary school. Our parents decided to take us on a holiday, family holiday together, which involved getting on a plane. And as a young dude, that was kind of exciting for me. I hadn't really been on planes before. And we'd been flying for a little while, and by then the excitement had worn off. I'm getting bored. And suddenly the air hostess comes up, and she asks by name for me and my brother and my sister. And we think, oh, I don't know what's going on. In fact, I'd never been on a plane before, so maybe this is what happens to everyone. I don't know. But Dad also, he has no idea what's going on. Uh, And he thinks we must have done something to get in trouble. Uh, But mum knows. She knows what's going on, as mums often do. Um, See, this was before September the 11th and and all the problems all those years ago. The the airlines aren't so strict at this point. And mum has managed to line up for us kids a guided tour of the cockpit of the aeroplane. It was brilliant. I remember walking up through all the plebs in economy class and then you get to go through first class. But not even the people in first class can go where we're going. Uh, they open the cabin doors and suddenly like, you've got the windows out the front. You can see ahead and around and down and it's spectacular. And, and there's all these buttons and switches and things and the pilot starts telling us all what they do and how autopilot works and you can just kick back for a little bit. And I was just 10 or 12, right? I didn't know much about planes, but even I got how special this was. Whatever FOMO was, this was the opposite. I was in. It was awesome. That's what Jesus is getting at here. It's about being in. Take a look again at his words. On that day, you'll realize that I am in my Father... And you are in me, and I am in you. From eternity in the past, God has always existed as Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, It's what we often call the Trinity. Three distinct persons, but one God, one being. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Spirit. And the Spirit is not the Son, and and so on and so on. But they've existed together forever in a relationship of mutual love for one another. The Father loving the Son and the Spirit from all eternity. The Spirit loving the Father and the Son. The Son loving the Spirit and the Father. All the way back into eternity past. That's what God has been like. But you know, at the very first Christmas, something dramatic happened. 
The son, who we know as Jesus, Jesus is born as a human. He doesn't stop being God at that point. He's still fully God, but now he's fully human as well. In his body, Jesus brings humanity into the Godhead. And the question we all ask is, well, so what? <laughs> What's it matter? What's it got to do with us? Um, two things. I think it matters because, because, just simply because this is our God. It's right for us to know him as he, as he truly is. I mean, how can we not want to know him? But it also matters because of what it means for us. Catch that again. Jesus brings humanity into the Godhead. The Spirit, the Spirit so unites us, so joins us to Jesus, and this opens a way for us to be in, to be in with God. That relationship that happened between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, it's been going on since eternity past, and it will continue for eternity in the future. This, this relationship of ongoing mutual love for one another, we get caught up into being part of that. Look again at verse 20. On that day, disciples, guys, when you get the Spirit, you'll realize, I'm in my Father. You are in me. And I'm in you. Just like the Father and I have been since forever ago, you now get to be part of that too. Not just as an onlooker, but as a participant. Doesn't that just blow your mind? Doesn't this change the way you think about the world? Because what are the things that we chase after in life? What are the things that we, that we worry we're missing out on? What is, it, what is it for you? Do any of those compare to this? Do any of those compare to this? Do they compare to joining in with God, with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, loving you like they love one another, with the same love the Father loves the Son, He so loves you? Because Jesus says, this is open to you. At first, it does appear like Jesus only offers this to his 11 disciples there with him. But then one of them asks Jesus a question in verse 22. Then Judas, but not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? To which Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come and will make our home with them. This is open to anyone. Anyone can find, have God find a home with them, can have a home with God. It's open to anyone who loves Jesus and who's prepared to have him as the one they'll obey. Anyone who's prepared to have Jesus as the Lord of their life. Uh, I had a high school buddy, one of my buddies at high school. Uh, he thought Jesus was good. Uh, he had a pretty good impression of Jesus he um, 
he knew what Jesus was on about. But he wasn't quite ready to have Jesus as the Lord of his life. Because he thought that if he did that, he'd be missing out. Jesus wouldn't let him do all the kind of things he wanted to do. And maybe Jesus would be a bit too controlling, a bit too demanding. Perhaps you've heard the same kind of thing about Jesus. Perhaps that's what what you think about Jesus yourself. I hope you're starting to see today that that's actually not Jesus at all. Jesus doesn't make you miss out. Jesus, he brings you in, right in, right in with God. What I want to do now is just dig a little bit deeper into some of the implications of all this. What's it, what's it mean? How does it change life for us? And, I mean, really, there's, there's, there's too much to say here. So I'm just going to say three things, and they make up an acronym, because, uh, yep, why not? W-O-N, one. Um, the first implication is worship. In some sense, there's, there's a mystery to the kind of things we've been talking about. You know, in what sense am I brought into the Godhead? What does that mean? And, and, and how do I take part of that when I'm still here on earth? In some sense, in this life, I don't think I'll fully grasp how big this is. But even just to catch a glimpse, a glimmer, to to, to know that God hasn't left me as he found me, but he's brought me in and he's showering his love on me, the same love that he has for the son he has for me. And that's the way he'll treat me into all eternity in the future. I don't quite understand everything yet, but I understand this. What he's done is, is, is deep and rich and so very, very, very good. And doesn't that just make you want to worship God? To honor him with who you are. To, you know, to, to sing out his praise. To, to say thanks. To give yourself over to him. Isn't this a truth that captures your heart? Everyone worships something. But this focuses our heart on worshipping something, on on worshipping someone who really does matter. Who really is worth it. Is your heart captured by this truth about God? W, worship, O, obedience. Um, So many times in the passage, Jesus talks about obedience, and it's always linked with the idea of love. Did you notice that? Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. That there's a pattern here, isn't it? A pattern of loving obedience. It's a pattern that Jesus calls us to. But you know, it's actually nothing new here. It, it, it's the same pattern that Jesus lived in his life. You see that in verse 30. Jesus says, I won't say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Jesus is saying here, the prince of the world, that, that, that's, um, that's Satan, 
Satan is coming. Already in a couple of, uh, just a chapter ago, we heard that Satan entered Judas Iscariot so that Judas would betray Jesus. Jesus would be handed over and crucified. And Jesus is saying, this is happening to demonstrate my loving obedience of the Father, even to the point of death. And now Jesus is saying, we're, we're brought into the Godhead by being united to Jesus. And so we're called to have that same kind of pattern of living, the same pattern that Jesus had. Obedience. Obedience that, that doesn't merely stem from duty and obligation, but obedience that stems from love. Obedience that stems from that heart that's captured to worship God. Now, if you've been around our church for more than two minutes, you'll know we don't do this perfectly. If you've been around me for more than two minutes, you'll know I don't do this perfectly. We muck it up. We miss the mark. We aren't perfect, not by any measure. But that's actually the great thing about Jesus. He offers forgiveness. And also, he gives us his spirit. And the Spirit empowers us so that bit by bit, maybe even just baby steps, but we grow. And we grow in our loving obedience to Him. I mean, isn't that great? Isn't that a great thing that Jesus does for us? Let me ask them, for you, what parts of your life do you want to grow in so that you can be more lovingly Obedient to Jesus. W worship, O obedience, N, not alone. Jesus says he won't leave us as orphans, and he doesn't. He's present with us in two very special ways. First, he's present by the Spirit. Remember, remember the Holy Spirit unites us, joins us to Jesus, bonds us to Jesus in such a way that, that we're actually brought into the Godhead. We're, we're not alone, friends. And secondly, Jesus is present with us by his word. Uh, Look at what he says in verse 25. He says this to the 11 disciples. He says to them, "Um, All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Jesus is leaving, but the Holy Spirit will come to the disciples and they're going to remind He's going to remind the disciples of everything that Jesus has taught. And he did. That's what happened in the course of history. And the disciples wrote it down, and we have it here in our Bibles. You know, this inside this is everything Jesus wants you to know. Nothing, nothing got missed out. No mistakes. It's all in here. Again, this is showing us Jesus doesn't leave us alone. We have the Spirit. We have the very words of our Lord here. We're not left alone. Isn't that good news? Look, it's good news for us personally. Because life often throws us curveballs, doesn't it? Hardships, things we don't expect. And it's hard to walk those alone. But to walk them with Jesus, that's exactly what we need. We're not orphans. 
It's good news for us personally, but it's also good news for us together here as a church. As a church, we're about to embark on something big. 50 or 60 of us are going to get up and leave in a few months' time. We're going off to start a new church. That's going to be hard. There's going to be lots of hard bits. It's really exciting, but there's going to be hard bits. And there's going to be hard bits whether we stay and send or whether we go and start. We'll all feel the pain. We'll all miss people. There'll be gaps to fill, budgets to meet. And... But we do this with Jesus. We do this with Jesus who's told us to tell all people everywhere about him. So we, we go in loving obedience. And we go in the confidence that we're not alone. But Jesus is with us, urging us on, giving us the strength to continue. Letting us rest on him when, when things get rough and hard. Are you aware of Jesus' presence with you? By his word and his spirit, always walking with you? Now let me, um, let me end by asking this. Are you worried about missing out in life? Are you worried that life is just going on and all the dreams you had, all the things you felt like you just had to do, it's all coming to nothing. That You're, you're never going to get around to them. You're going to miss out in life. Do you look at your friends' uh, Facebook feeds or Instagram feeds and think, oh, why isn't that me? Why can't I get out and do that? Or, or, or are you exhausted in life from trying to find time to fit it all in, to do everything, and yet you never really get satisfied that you've got enough or done enough or experienced enough? Jesus wants to reshape the conversation entirely. He says, no, we're all missing out on something far bigger, but he can bring us in. By his spirit, he can bring us not just to God, but, but into God, into the Godhead, experiencing the love that the Father has for the Son. He lavishes upon you, and he will for eternity in the future. Jesus changes us so that now the, the, the course of our life is directed in the right way, to worship and obedience of the right way, of, of the one who, who is, is right to deserve it. Jesus changes the conversation by telling us we won't be left alone in this world. Friends, I, I want to say to you today, don't miss out. Forget about chasing those things that won't last. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. And he promises you, you will not miss out. Can I pray for us, friends? Let's pray. Our God, you are good. The words you've got for us this morning are good. Please give us ears to hear, hearts that trust. Thank you that you promise us these things, that you send your spirit, that your spirit unites us to Jesus and Jesus brings us in. Thank you for the love that you have for us that we experience. Thank you that that love is not a secondary love, but 
But it's the same love that you have for your son. You lavish it upon us. Father, in all the things we chase after in life, we realize that we've left you out of the picture and we're sorry. Please, God, help us to see that your word is trustworthy and true and that when Jesus is the Lord of our lives, we do not miss out. Convict us deeply of this, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.